Yeah, so you you're happy on. to keep adding. You're happy to keep adding uh, time to this one when, when it's my topic. When it's your thing, <laughs> <laughs> we're doing we're we're double recording, and we've got another episode to go. You're always like wrap it up, guys, wrap it up. But um. Welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character and a great story. I'm Todd Mack. And I'm Joseph Drowski. And let's go ahead and invite our producer, Andrew, in as a guest, because this topic is his pick. Today we're discussing Nami and a few other great characters from the Japanese manga series, One Piece. Welcome, producer Andrew. Yes! I mean, you appear in... (laughs) Most of our episodes <laughs> at some point. <laughs> when you're not asleep. Yeah. <laughs> that was only like twice. <laughs> a few times we had to uh, record with you out of town, but generally generally you make an appearance. But this time, I think we're just going to have you on board for mm-hmm. all of the discussion. Yeah, so uh, this is, is this your birthday present? <laughs> uh, something like that. Yeah, and producer Andrew's birthday is coming up, so we told him, uh, pick any topic. And we actually mentioned that months ago, and this is one that he has mentioned and it's called One Piece, which has led to Todd having months of laughter. Because, <laughs> Todd, anytime you hear the name One Piece, what do you think of? I think of a bathing suit. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I was not as far off as you made it sound like I was when I, when I first mentioned that I thought that this would be about bathing suits. Because it's, it is about pirates about in the ocean. Pirates there's islands. In the ocean. There's water. There's beaches. <laughs> there's people swimming. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Some some ponderous swimming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, I think it's gonna be good. As we said, uh, our main topic is going to be the character Nami, and the series is called One Piece, and it is by I may mispronounce this name, and I apologize to anyone who can <laughs> pronounce Japanese names better than I. I believe it is Aichiro Oda. Uh, and the series began in 1997, and it is still going now. So it's nearing its 20-year uh, anniversary, and it has had 87 volumes released. Now, Andrew, you know a little bit more about manga release schedules. They do so, weekly parts of a larger collection, right? Yes, so the typical release is a weekly anthology magazine kind of thing. So each of the chapters in a manga would be released weekly, um, along with... A number of others in the anthologies. So the most popular one for like teenage boys or young teenage boys is like Shonen. That's I think uh, I think where this has been collected uh, originally or been published originally, and so it's been alongside a bunch of other kind of young teenage boy targeted um, adventure stories. So Um, so a lot of popular manga that you might have heard of would appear in that. Like Dragon Ball might be that one or Naruto would fall into that category. I mean, they, they'll do all kinds of different genres, but that's how they appear. It'll be, you know, five or six different titles in that magazine. And so if you're subscribed to that magazine each week, you'll get those five or six stories, one chapter at a time. But then the individual stories end up getting collected into, into volumes, the volumes, which are smaller, easier to read because you get the whole story together. I'd like to point something out to our listening audience here. So we said 87 volumes. And you may be thinking, 87 volumes? That doesn't sound like that much. Uh, one, vo- one volume is about 200 pages. Yeah. So you do the math. This is, this is a lot of content. <laughs> it's like <laughs> a ton of content. Like I double stack my shelves when it's <laughs> manga shelves because it, it gets wide very quickly. And it's actually the like only growing section in the Barnes and Nobles, in the brick and mortar bookstores, is, is manga. I mean, I think the the graphic novel, comic book section 
also grow some, but manga is is growing more and faster. Um, and part of that's just the size of the stuff that they have to keep in stock. Well, yeah, and there's a huge back catalog that they can, yeah. you know, tap into. And so, and so, you know, when you go to a store, you'll see something like One Piece, and it's on two or three shelves they <laughs> because have, they have one through seventy, 70 something. Yeah. Uh, and I have, I might be one behind on what they've got published in English. Uh, and wow. and like you said, it's twenty years of constant weekly. Like I think a couple times he worked out to get a week ahead. And so, week off. <laughs> so, so he could have a week off and the publisher's like nice for him because this is the best selling manga in the world. Yeah. Wait, and, save it for the trivia. Save okay. it. Save but, it. <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot of stuff. And he has said that he is probably a little past halfway with the saga. So it's wow. going to be like a 35, 40 year career writing this one story. And this yeah, is all the, he's uh, ever done. Uh, he was a, he, he was an assistant and apprentice, uh, under some other people. Um, there's a, a manga called Ruroni Kenshin, which ended in the 90s, uh, and he was an apprentice on that one, I think, which is a very well-regarded one, but it was in the earlier waves of manga popularity and not part of the current wave, but it's always in print. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but once he started doing this, this has been it, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, what The story we're talking about today comes from volumes 8 through 11. <laughs> um, we said they're like 200 pages, but... Uh, the story we're doing today has a lot of fight scenes, and those are pretty quick reads in manga. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Todd, I'm just going to ask you, how, how did you come to One Piece? <laughs> <laughs> are, is that a serious question? You, you, you uh, I'd never, uh, I'd never heard of One Piece until Andrew said, I think we should do it. And then I said, is that, a, is that a comic about bathing suits? And then we laughed, and then that's basically all I knew about it until... This week when I sat down to read it and um, I just bit the bullet and got the Kindle version oh, okay. uh, of these. And I'm, I'm actually glad that I did because they were really high quality, like, um, you know, official translations. And yeah, high quality resolution and everything. Yeah, the, the resolution was great and it was a really great uh, experience reading it. So, And I, uh, I read producer Andrew's copies because we still live in the same city. Yes. <laughs> well, we're back to living in the same city after we've lived in <laughs> different cities at various points. Uh, so I just borrowed them and this was the first time I'd read anything from this. And this is not about manga. This is about me. Like I am just so, I have so little exposure to manga. It takes me a little bit to stop feeling like I'm reading something alien. <laughs> Again, uh-huh. this isn't, the, this is not a knock on manga at all. It's just my, my own experience with it. But, uh, there came a point in this where I like completely forgot I was reading manga and I was just consumed by the story and like flipping the pages and like wanting to know ne- what was next. Did you feel like this was easier to read than the magic Knight Ray earth? Like, like that your manga muscles were a little bit stronger this time than the, than the last time we did this. <laughs> Well, it was my first time ever reading a manga, so <laughs> I did have a, a little bit more experience. Uh, but this is basically the second manga I've ever read uh, after um, that earlier episode that we did. It is mine Another also. One. Yeah. But uh, when we get to the longer summary, or maybe in the discussion after the summary, I'll, I'll talk about the point where like, I completely forgot that I was reading manga, and I 100% just got involved in the story. I remember cool. when I was younger like having difficulty turning the pages the correct direction, because they <laughs> published them... Uh, instead of American style, they do it Japanese style. So you approach the book from the opposite direction. Right. And you turn the pages in the opposite direction. And you have to adjust how you read it because the page is laid out in a different direction too. Uh-huh. I have since just become really used to it when I'm reading a manga. I know exactly what to do and it's and it's 
muscle memory. Um, but I remember when I was a teenager, you know, like, okay, wait, like focus and read it correctly. <laughs> does, does your, do you, does yours have the little arrows at the top that say, read this way? <laughs> it sure does. Yeah. And they point. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> and um, in the, in the back, they have a, a guide to how to read it. And yeah. they've got numbered, you know, here's the panels, here's the word balloons. Here's how you read a manga. Oh, that would be very right. helpful. It took me a few pages to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, listeners, this this particular manga, I mean, manga, they're, anything you can imagine is probably that kind of story's been told in manga. But this particular one is about a boy named Luffy. Uh, Luffy. Luffy. Okay. And it, it's I gave m- you the pronunciation. Monkey Luffy, right? Monkey D. Luffy. Monkey D. Luffy, who wants but to it's, be... But it's the Japanese-style name, so that is his surname coming okay. first. Right. All I right. think. It's it gets confusing. I never. I'm totally sure how they're doing that. <laughs> um, but he goes by Luffy. Luffy yes. is his his is the name you call him. And and his goal is to be a pirate king. And so he's gathering a group of pirates around him as they search for. I believe it's the mythical One Piece. That's the title. Yes. Of the, series, uh, right? the previous pirate king left his entire treasure in One Piece. Okay. And so whoever can reclaim that will be the new pirate king. And this is Luffy's whole goal. Um, in this particular story arc, he gets. Into a fight with some fish pirates, <laughs> some fish men. <laughs> um, I just want to read a couple of things. Like, so in, in our messenger system that we use for this podcast, uh, Andrew was sending us some information before we started reading this. And this is what he wrote Luffy is the captain and wants to become a pirate king by finding the treasure left by the previous king. The treasure was left all in one piece. So there's a first mate named Zolo who fights with three swords. But that's pronounced Zoro because oh. of a mistranslation in the first oh, okay. uh, earliest translations into english because japanese has uh r's and l's are interchangeable right uh in the previous arc he was injured and he broke two of his swords nami is the crewmate you learn about in this arc so we'll we'll learn more about her uh is it usop 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 is a slingshot marksman a coward and a liar sanji is a sous chef (laughs) he won't fight with his hands because his hands are for cooking and so he does awesome kicks and every one of his kicks he yells out the name of french cuisine so he's he's a a Chef and a kickboxer. Yes. <laughs> and then he threw, all of a sudden, and this is the moment where I was like, I love this. Uh, he, our producer Andrew added a message. like, oh, I almost forgot an important thing. Uh, Luffy is made of rubber because he ate a magic fruit. And <laughs> at that point, I'm like, I'm all in on this series. This has everything I want. There's a sous chef kickboxer. There's magic fruit that turns someone into rubber. They're fighting fishmen pirates. This is great. So if that sounds interesting, listeners... Uh, there's a lot of the story. This series that you can go so read. much. Uh, it's everything you recommend. didn't know you ever wanted in a story. Yeah. And this is and this is you know the first. It, this is in the first ten volumes, so there is seven times this much. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and you know the crew gets bigger. Uh, yeah. They add more people. I'm, I'm sure. This is, in the grand scheme of things, one of the shorter storylines <laughs> that's self-contained. But listeners, if this sounds interesting, we would recommend that you could, you could go get the electronic version, as Todd did, or you could go order uh, some of the, the print versions and English translations by going to protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon. Just a reminder, it looks like regular Amazon, but we get a little bit of kickback whenever you make an order from there. And with the holidays coming up, we recommend that you make all of your holiday purchases, every single last one of them, for for Halloween, Thanksgiving... Christmas, Hanukkah, anything, any holiday that you have blooming, we recommend that you make that purchase through protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon. All right, a little bit of trivia that I found. First, uh, the series, uh, so it's popular, and in Japan, popular mangas often get adapted into anime, and this one has been adapted, and Todd, have you looked at the trivia yet? 
I am. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> I'm trying to wrap my mind around this number. 57 episodes of the anime have been released to date, so they're still doing it. 757 yeah. episodes of an anime. There's so many. It's it's so much, and all the voice actors who work on it, and the and the voice actors in English, because most of it's also already been translated into English and dubbed in English. They knew how many episodes it was going to have, and so they're like, "That's job security. I really want. <laughs> I want this. I want yeah. on this show. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's like. Um, so in America, like one of our longest running shows is The Simpsons, and I think they're only in the six hundreds in number of episodes that they've produced. I have no idea. Yeah. So this wow. th- there is a lot of that anime. And besides that, the same company has also made 13 films and five TV specials because there just wasn't enough content <laughs> with 757 episodes. Um, and the series is really popular. And by really popular, I mean it has the Guinness World Record for the most copies published for the same comic book series by a single author. But also, it is the highest selling manga ever in history. <laughs> 380 million copies have been printed worldwide, and that's according to Wikipedia at the last count. I'm guessing that's probably gone up since that was updated on Wikipedia. I just just realized something, and it is – I'm having this, like, flashback of when I was teaching at BYU. So this would have been six years ago. I taught a Spanish class, and I had a Japanese student, and it was just when I started reading uh, comics again, and I mentioned it in class. And he told me, you've got to read this, this, uh, this manga series. And he showed me a picture of it, and it was a cover of One Piece with the pirates. And I know that it was now, like now that I look back. Uh, but I didn't take him seriously. So then, you've had a previous exposure. <laughs> I did, completely yeah. completely ignored that student's suggestion. Completely ignored it, and little did I know, it's the best-selling <laughs> manga series in history. I, you know, it wasn't always number one. Um, other series have been number one, even during One Piece's run, but right now it's solidly number one and has no signs of stopping because the other series, uh, in my mind, it was, uh, Naruto was number one for a long time, uh, and, and One Piece is still going and Naruto is not. (laughs) Is there, is there anywhere? That that creator decided to end his series and, you know, go on his honeymoon after six years of marriage. (laughs) Is there anywhere where you can watch uh, One Piece, the the anime? It's uh, mostly on, uh, I think, Hulu. Okay. Um, so if you have a Hulu subscription, I think you can watch the majority of it. Wow. That's a lot of hours of entertainment, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, and But pacing's a little weird. It, it feels a little drawn out a lot of the time. It, it, there's never been a perfect pacing matchup between manga and anime. Right. Mm. Okay. Uh, just the last couple bits. Uh, Ichiro or Ichiro Oda, uh, he's understandably a legend, and he's considered one of the most influential creators ever. And at 17, he submitted his art to a manga competition, and he won some awards there, and that's when he got picked up to be an apprentice on uh, one series. And he bounced around as an apprentice on, on a few series before he decided to launch his own series, One Piece, which at this point, I'm guessing he will never do anything else. <laughs> he certainly doesn't need to, because this is a... An empire. Yes. I mean, wow. if he stopped now, I'm sure he would have enough money uh, to never work again. <laughs> yeah. Listeners, the, uh, if that sounds interesting, the, uh, I would recommend that you get your hands on this. As we said, there's several avenues where you can do that. But now our producer, Andrew, is going to give us a full synopsis of this particular storyline. Hey, but by the way, guys, uh, writing synopsis hard <laughs> is a hard task. <laughs> it is a hard For, task. My first one, I'm like, this isn't. 
this isn't a convenient thing to do for something like this. Yep. <laughs> Maybe you'll have um, a little more compassion on us. <laughs> so Joseph already illustrated um, most of the characters you need to know about. Uh, there's a few others you need to know their names of before we get started. That's Johnny and Yosaku, uh, who are bounty hunters, who are friends with Zoro. They are not as tough, and they are not part of this crew, but they were part of the previous arc, so they are relevant to get okay, the story just, going. Just a recap for our listeners. So Luffy is the rubber captain. He's made out of rubber now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a price for being made out of rubber, so there's like the, the curse that the, comes with The it, curse that comes with the fruit. Is that he can't swim, which is tough for a sea captain. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then, as we said, there's Zoro, who he's a great sword fighter. He, he fights with three swords, yeah. uh, typically one in his mouth and one in each hand. Uh, that seems... Like, that would be counterproductive, but he makes it work, impressively. Uh, Except Nami, we don't ever really see him make it work because his other swords are broken. He, he, he borrows some. He borrows. He, he does get three oh, swords okay. for part but of it. But they are not his swords. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Nami, she is uh, the navigator, but she's also a thief and a traitor. So when we start the series, she's run away from the crew. Yes, right. she stole their ship, stole their money, and ran away. Right. Uh, then there's Usopp. Right? They say that yes. right. And as you said, he is uh, a liar and a coward, but he ha- he's really good with his uh, slingshot. He's, he's a good marksman. Sanji is the sous chef. He's one of my favorites. He's a, he, he's not just a sous chef. He's a brooding sous chef. He's always smoking, smoking. smoking with his hair falling across his eyes. Think Leonardo DiCaprio back in the Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. That's <laughs> totally. Which, which, which that may have been part of the inspiration for him it would in fit, 1997. That was, that was 97. Or it was right in the mid-90s. So yeah. It might fit. Let's see. I, I, that's pretty much... Uh, those, are, those are the... That's the, the crew. Okay. Um, but Johnny and Yosaku are with the crew. The crew is... So Nami stole the ship and ran away when she saw uh, a poster for... It, it was a wanted poster for a pirate named Arlong. He's a fishman pirate. Uh, and by fishman, we mean half fish, half man. Yes. Uh, not like a merman, but a fishman. Yes. Like, <laughs> he's bipedal, but his face is shark-like. And- yeah. Um, and so Johnny and Yosaku split up with the rest of the crew so that everyone would get to where she was going. And so Luffy and Sanji are with, I think it's Johnny, I might have them confused. And then Zoro and Usopp are with uh, Yosaku. Everybody got it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So Johnny explains to uh, Luffy and Sanji that Nami ran off when she saw the poster and that Arlong is bad news because he is super strong and has a massive bounty because he's bad news. That was circular reasoning, but anyway. It, it, it stands. Um, Continue. And then we cut to Arlong bribing a Navy captain who's very swarthy. <laughs> and he says, yep, so make sure the Navy doesn't bug me while I rule over this island and all the towns on it and get money from them constantly. And the captain's happy to do that. And, uh, yeah, so Arlong has, he's got webbed fingers, he's got sharp teeth, and he's got this long nose with, like, saw teeth on it. Yeah, kind of like a serrated, uh, sawfish yeah. nose. Yeah. And so he, uh, orders his first mate, Hachi, who is an octopus fish man, and has six arms. <laughs> it's so weird. To, to tow the Navy guys back to their ship, and he does. Meanwhile, Nami is outside the gate to Arlong Park which is the base of operations for the Fishman Pirates. And a boy with sword is running up to the park, and he says he's going to go kill Arlong because Arlong killed his dad. And Nami smacks him around, throws some money at him, and says, get out of here, you're not strong. 
<laughs> basically says, yeah, you cannot do it. So she saves his life, but is pretty mean about it. She steps into Arlong Park, and they greet her as a friend and a comrade. And you can note that Nami has a tattoo on her shoulder, which is a match to the flag that Arlong flies. So she is part of his crew. Zoro, Usopp, and Yosuku are in another boat, and they are outside Arlong Park. Zoro just wants to jump in and fight, but he was badly injured <laughs> in the previous story arc and has not healed, and so they tie him to the mast. And they sail along the coast until they see the crew's main ship, which Nami stole and has, has moored at a dock. And so they, they go there. But while they're there, there's a couple of fishmen that show up and say, hey, who's on that ship? We want to know what's up. So Usopp and Yosuku abandon ship and leave Zoro tied to the mast where he is captured by fishmen pirates. Usopp and Yosuku get split up into, in the town, but they, they run into a town which has been literally turned upside down. <laughs> Like, all the houses are roof down. Yes, are roof down. And they uh, they get split up. Usopp meets uh, Nojiko, who says she is Nami's sister. And they and, and so she takes him away so that he doesn't get in trouble with the fishmen. And, and they didn't know that Nami had a sister. Yes, they didn't know much about Nami at this point. She's just kind of been around. And everyone else got their personal story when they appeared. And hers was held off for a little bit. And they just barely picked up Sanji, so the previous arc was getting Sanji and his whole backstory. So Zoro is tied up by the fishman. He's taken to Arlong Park, and he uh, wants to talk to Nami. She says, I tricked you guys. I stole your money. Like, deal with it. <laughs> Sorry. Like, she's just pretty cold about it. And he says, okay. And so he launches himself tied up into the water that is behind him. Uh, Nami jumps in, saves him, pulls him out, and then kicks him. <laughs> And just says, like, explains herself away to the fishman pirates why she didn't let him die. But it's not terribly convincing. All the fishmen get distracted because they say that they saw Usopp in the village. So Arlong's like, well, we'll go to the village. They start hassling a guy in the village named Genzo, who's covered in massive, massive scars he, all over his body. He and looks <laughs> kind of like a frigate, like just stitches everywhere. Yes. Uh, and he has a pinwheel in his hat. <laughs> uh just to add some flavor for him. Uh, and he has a stash of weapons, which is not permitted because they are under Arlong's thumb and they pay tribute. And so they start beating up Genzo. Meanwhile, Nami unties Zoro and gives him his swords and leaves. <laughs> so he's in a cell with his swords now untied uh, and she's walking away. Uh, the fishermen keep beating up Genzo and Usopp uh, distracts them by firing and exploding uh, slingshot pellet at Arlong. <laughs> and then he promptly runs away because he doesn't want to die. Yeah. Uh, Arlong goes into a frenzy and and is about to tear apart the town, but the rest of the fishermen try to calm him down and, and drag him away. Some of the fishermen chase after Usopp. But Genzo's alive, and that's good. Usopp's being chased. That's bad. Uh, Nami shows up in town and is given the cold shoulder because she's a traitor and works for the fishman. She goes and stops by a grave and Nojiko goes to talk to her. And Nami says that she's really close to having enough money to buy the town from Arlong. So that is her goal for, for uh, stealing from pirates and everything is to amass enough money to buy the town from under Arlong's control so that they will be free. Now, it's uh, it's a huge amount of money, right? Uh, they say it's 100 million berries, which is their unit of money but now at first when i read that i thought there was gonna be like a barrel of blueberries of berries <laughs> yes <laughs> but it's it's just it's cash like it looks yeah, like cash it, but they call it berries yeah it's bills but mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, it's never clear exactly how much a berry is worth, <laughs> but a hundred million is a lot. It's a big number. Yeah. And it has taken her like 10 years to collect 97 million or so. And she's done this by stealing from all the pirates that are long attacks, right? Uh, no, just stealing from pirates. She'll sneak onto a pirate crew like she did with Luffy's crew. Okay. And, you know, ingratiate herself and then steal all their money and run away. Right. So she's been robbing from pirates primarily. Off panel, Zoro takes out all of the fishmen inside Arlong Park <laughs> and is sitting on Arlong's throne. Yeah, they just cut to him and there's bodies everywhere. And he's got his arms behind his head. He's like, this was kind of boring. And he's, <laughs> he's still in like a Hawaiian shirt and is just wearing it. And then he starts talking to Hachi, who has been preparing food for Momu, who we have not met yet. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> but out at- <laughs> Momu was great. But out at sea, Sanji is cooking for Luffy and Johnny, and they are attacked by a massive sea cow. And by massive sea cow, I mean, like, larger than their ship. Like- and, and it looks like a cow mixed with a fish, but it's got, like... A ring through its nose, and it has horns like a cow. But right. it looks so like a think... stuffed. It looks like a stuffed cow. Yeah, it's like yeah, a child's toy. Cute. But it's like the size of a kraken. Yeah, it's massive. <laughs> it's a it's a massive sea monster that <laughs> looks is, like a cow. Kind it of. It is the size of a kraken. It's a it's a kraken sized stuffed cow that floats. But it's like a mer cow because it's yes. got fins at the back. And yeah, <laughs> it's so uh, crazy. And so it, it came to them. This because is another it one smelled. of those moments where I was like. Yes. Yes. It, so it this smelled is what Sanji. I want from, from <laughs> just someone throwing every idea out there. This is fantastic. So it smelled Sanji's cooking and came to them. Uh, and Cassandra, he's, he's, really he's, a really, he's a really good he's chef. He's a legendary chef. Uh, and so they, uh, they punch it and kick it. <laughs> and then they tie it to their ship so it'll tow them into shore. <laughs> uh, and it, is, it, it looks pitiful after they kick it. Like it's got a little tear. It's like, I, I just wanted food. <laughs> Well, um, and, uh, to defend Sanji, he was about to feed it, but then the, it, the, it, it, it was about, came out and, and it was, was about to eat his his, arm. And yeah. so that's when he kicked it. <laughs> He's like, no, you can't eat me too. Um, it, but in the meantime, Zoro was talking to Hachi and said that he was a friend of Arlong's and Hachi said, oh, Arlong's in the village. Let me take you to him. <laughs> this is another moment that I loved where the, uh, the, the I love incompetent henchmen a lot. And, and that's Arlong's first mate, Hachi. Yes. The octopus. Yeah. He, and it's not even like. A con. He just says, "Oh, I'm I'm here to meet him," and he's like, "Okay, <laughs> like let me take you to the village." He was in the village. Let's go. And so Hachi takes Zoro to the village, and Zoro hops out and, and he says, "Thanks." And Hachi heads back into the into the park. Uh, Arlong gets back to the park and he sees that all his men have been defeated, and he's outraged. And then Hachi comes up and he says, "What? Who did this?" He's like, "Was anyone here?" Yeah, there was a guy. He said he was here to meet you. I took him to the village. Hey, your guest. <laughs> He said it was your guest. And and so they know it was uh it was Zoro. And then the other fishmen bring Usopp back and they've chased him down and Usopp pretends to be brave, brave and fails and Nami <laughs> kind of smacks him around and then stabs him in the stomach evidently and pushes him into the water and walks away. And Yosaku watches all of this happen. He's been hiding around, but he he sees this and he thinks that uh, he's just seen Nami kill Usopp and throw his body in the water. So this was, yeah, Nami's like, because some of the pirate crew were starting to be suspicious of Nami. So yes, because she, she didn't prove, kill Zoro. Right, so she had to prove that she was still with them. Yes. Uh, and the knife is covered in blood, so it's pretty convincing. Uh, Luffy and his ship being towed by the sea cow 
they they get to the island, but the cow just kind of smacks its head into the edge of the island and knocks a big chunk of island off and launches their ship onto the shore. Yeah, their momentum just flies them through the air and they crash into the forest. And they crash into the forest uh, just about hitting Zoro, who had heard that Usopp was captured and was running back to Arlong Park so that he could save Usopp. I did, like, enjoy the comedy of these moments where, like, they keep wanting to fight each other. <laughs> like, both sides want yes. to fight the other side, and they keep going to the wrong place. Like, what? Each the of the village or Island Park. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so he tells Luffy and Sanji uh, and Johnny, he's like, we gotta go. Usopp's gonna get killed. Usopp can't handle these guys. Uh, and then Yosuku runs back and he says, nope, Nami just killed Usopp, guys. I, I saw it. Uh, Luffy doesn't believe him, but Yosuku's like, no, this is what happened. Elsewhere, uh, a new Navy ship arrives and attacks Arlong Park. Uh, a, a nearby village had reported Arlong's crew. Uh, and so the Navy showed up. Uh, Arlong catches a cannonball in his teeth and smashes it in his jaws. Uh, and then he sends just three of his men to go sink the ship, which they do by moving a coral reef into the current <laughs> to create a whirlpool. <laughs> so three of his fishmen go and destroy the ship. As far as, like, um, oh, I can't remember the... I, I heard on a podcast they were talking about um, professional wrestling. They said there's a moment where, in, um, like, a wrestler, like, establishes their their strength, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it, it's like you're, you're establishing for the audience the strength of this wrestler. Like, biting a cannonball that's been launched at you, that's a good moment. Yeah. <laughs> to establish your skill set. It, it's pretty good. Uh, then Nami comes across the crew. She is oddly wearing a glove on one hand. Uh, and she, she finds Luffy and Zoro and Sanji and says, yeah, I killed Usopp and the, I'm with the fishmen and you guys are pathetic and you might as well get out of here. Uh, Luffy doesn't care for that and decides to take a nap. <laughs> like he, Luffy is his he, own man. He just, he, he hears all this from Nami after, you know, being very angry at Yosuke for saying that Nami killed Usopp. He hears all this from Nami and he says, hmm. And then he lays down. He just like drops onto his back and says, I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> And Nami is upset with him and says, oh my gosh, like, you're the worst. I wish you'd get out of here. And then she just storms away because she can't deal with him. Usopp walks into town dripping wet and ponders on the moment when Nami stabbed him, but instead stabbed her own hand and pushed him into the water so that there would be blood on the knife, but it wouldn't kill him. So she stabbed the back of her hand, which is the hand that now has a glove on it. Uh, so he finds the crew and tells them what hap- what happens. And they are really not sure what to think. Uh, Nojiko, Nami's sister, shows up and uh, wants to explain things. Luffy doesn't really care and decides to take a walk. And as, so he just walks away. As, like, uh, the massive backstory is about to be revealed. Yeah, he's like, nah, like, I, I, it doesn't make a difference to him what the backstory is. He has no need to understand anyone's motivations, it seems. Mm-hmm. And throughout the backstory, uh, Zoro is mostly sleeping. But it's unclear if he's really sleeping or if he's listening and pretending to sleep. Um, but we haven't gotten to the backstory yet because the bribe taking swarthy Navy captain is back and he comes into town and he says, where's Nami? Where, where does Nami live? Because the fishmen found a map in Nami's room that had an X marked on it, uh, in the village. And so they the, they bribed the Navy man to go check it out. Basically is, uh, where that's at. The so, Navy man has a mouse face, right? He has yeah. mouse whiskers. Yeah. Yep. And and he and he just, has a really annoying uh, laugh. It's like he, 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 he. it's it's. I mean, he's a he's a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so we we see Nami's sleeping at uh, the house, which is surrounded by tangerine uh, tangerine grove. 
and it's Nojiko's house. We've seen it earlier. And Nojiko tells a story. So it's kind of a, a dream sequence slash flashback from two perspectives uh, where we see Nami 10 years ago as a, as a little kid, like eight years old. Um, she steals a book about navigation and drawing charts and cartography. Uh, every eight-year-old's go-to item for shoplifting. Yes. <laughs> the, the cartography manual. Uh, and Genzo, the the man who was covered in scars, without scars at this point in time, uh, catches her and takes her back to her mom, Bellamere, and he says, she's been stealing, and Bellamere kind of chastises her, but, you know, kind of gets him to take it easy on, on Nami. On the eight-year-old, yeah. Yeah, and... And she starts talking to Nami about, you know, why, why'd you steal the book? Like, you could have talked to me and, and we could have, you know, gone to buy it. And Nami says, well, we don't have enough money for that. We're poor and I hate it. <laughs> and this is a little upsetting for Bellamere because she's trying to take care of Nojiko and Nami uh, the best she can. But she knows that they don't have a lot of money. Um, and at, throughout this conversation, uh, Nami says that she wishes that she wasn't Bellamere's kid. She wishes she was adopted by someone rich, which... Establishes that Bellamere adopted Nojiko and Nami, uh, and it might not be the best situation, but uh, she says, "I wish I was found by somebody rich." Is that what it was? Mm -hmm. Yep, that's what she says. Uh, Bellamere smacks her uh, for this, (laughs) and and Nami kind of runs away. And Bellamere's upset that she got so upset about this, and she asks Nojiko to go get Nami and and bring her back, and she'll make a nice dinner for all of them and and apologize. Uh, And we get further backstory that Nami and Nojiko were found by Bellamere. Bellamere left the town to join the Navy and was involved in a massive battle on some island. And she was kind of the only survivor. <laughs> so Nojiko, who was like three at the time, walked up to Bellamere holding Nami, who is just an infant. And Bellamere was about to just give up and die <laughs> on yeah. the battlefield. She was, you know, going to be done. It's like, well, everyone else is dead. I don't have any reason to make it back to the ship or anything. But then these two girls show up and she grabs them, gets them onto the ship, gets them back to town and ensures that the doctor takes care of them to make sure they're okay. Despite Bellamere's own wounds. Yeah. Just gave her a new purpose in life. Yes. And so she adopts the girls and says, I will take care of them. They're going to be my daughters. I don't care. (laughs) Like I'm taking care of them. Yeah. This is, this is my purpose in life now. During all of this, you know, so we've got a flashback inside a flashback and everything. Um, Arlong and his crew show up for the first time to the island and they tell everyone, all right, everyone owes us money. Uh, I think it was 100,000 berries per person, uh, 50,000 for kids. Yes. And so this is during, yeah, this is within that flashback. Yeah. So they show up and, uh, you know, they're threatening everyone. They're stronger than anybody in town. Uh, I think Genzo tries to fight them and is just smacked around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um and the whole town says, okay, fine, you know, we're losing, so here's the money. Uh, and everyone's able to, you know, scrape it up and, and get the money. Fortunately, Bellamere is kind of off the records in her tangerine grove. But then they see the the, cook, the, the fire from her cooking stove, or the smoke. They yeah. see the smoke from her cooking fire. Uh, and the fishermen say, I guess there's one more person to go visit and get that money. We need 100000 from her, too. Uh, and they go and someone in the town says like, there's no way she's got enough money for her and the girls. Like this just won't work. Uh, and so they find Nojiko and Nami and they grab them and say, you can't go home right now. Um, it's not okay. Uh, some bad stuff's going on. And so the doctor holds on to them and, and is hiding with them, uh, behind a bush. And Genzo leads the fishermen to, 
to uh, Bellamere's house and says, hey, uh, Bellamere, these guys need a uh, 100,000. Or <laughs> I think first thing, does she kick down the door? Yeah, like she comes out fighting at first, and okay. she, she like gets a a gun into Arlong's face, but he just laughs yeah. it off, and he and he, he bites it. Yeah, uh, so she still has you know the fighting spirit from her navy days. Yes, um, but Genzo explains what's going on. Uh, Arlong didn't like having the gun in his face, so he breaks her arm <laughs> and and beats her up, and he says, you know, do you have enough money? Yeah, and, and like this is. As you said, this is the the pirates' first appearance, so they're like establishing the rule. They're trying to establish the order, like you pay or, or you die, or you die. Like there there is no negotiation. Yeah, and so they need a hundred thousand for her, uh, and they are convinced that she's alone. There's no children, you know, recorded for her uh, on on the town records. So Najiko, Najiko and Nami are being told by the doctor that like we're going to get you on a little boat and you're going to have to go off to sea and you can't come back yeah. <laughs> because your mom can't afford you. And this is very upsetting to Nami, who has recently said that she's upset about how poor their family is. Right. Um, so Bellamere, uh, you know, gets just enough money that she has 100000 and she gives it to Arlong, and she says, there you go, there, there's your money. That's for my two daughters. <laughs> right. Well, it was at this point, because before this, one of the pirates had come out and said there's three place settings. Yes, and, right. and so Genzo now- said, you invited me and the doctor over. Right, so they Let's tried to cover just it pay up. the money, and, yeah. and then we can have dinner. Uh-huh. Um, and so they they try to cover it up, and the pirates are convinced, and they're walking away. And Bellamere says, that money's for my two daughters. <laughs> and Nojiko and Nami come running around the corner, and they and they throw themselves on her, and they hug her, and she lifts her broken arm so that this she can hug so Nami. Like, like, she is beaten up, and that arm is definitely in a bad way. Yeah. But she lifts it up to hug Nami. And she says, you know, I just can't say that they're not my daughters. They're, they're as real as, as they could possibly be for me. Um, she couldn't even pretend. That yeah. They like, I, I can't even say that I don't have daughters. And so she's willing to die to declare them as her children. Uh, and literally to, like, in this instance, literally pay for their lives. Yes. Um, and so... She stands up to to face the pirates. Uh, Genzo tries to step in again and get slashed, which is where he has all the scars from. Uh, he just gets sliced. I mean, he gets cut to <laughs> ribbons. Cut, yeah. yeah, completely sliced. Like, up. it's a miracle he's alive. <laughs> um, but he does his best, and then Arlong just levels a gun at uh, Bellamere's head and fires. <laughs> right in front of Nami and Najiko, and it's very remorseless and very, very hard to read. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. This flashback is the moment when I forgot I was kind of struggling a little bit to read manga, and I just got completely absorbed by the story. Yeah. Um, but there's, you know, she leaves some some dying words with uh, Nonjiko and Nami saying that, you know, if you can smile, if you can laugh, then there will be good times ahead, no matter what you're dealing with. And if you survive long enough, then things will get then better. Then the good times will come. Yeah. This is really upsetting for the whole town. They get ready to go fight the pirates. Um, they get whipped. <laughs> And are sent back and say, and they're told, you'll pay this tribute every year for the rest of your lives, basically. The pirates see that Nami has drawn some good maps, so they grab her, they kidnap her, basically, and they, take her to to their base. They say they know the oceans, but they don't, they don't know how to draw maps. They need a cartographer, and they mm-hmm. actually realize this eight-year-old girl is, <laughs> is the best cartographer they've ever seen. Yeah. And so they take her. Uh, a little while later, she comes back into town while everyone's licking their wounds, and uh, she says... Look, guys, like, I got money. I joined the pirates. And she's got the tattoo on her arm. Um, 
and they consider her a traitor. <laughs> they kick her out of town. She goes to Bellamere's grave. And Nojiko goes to talk to her, and Nami explains that she made a deal with the pirates. If she can get 100 million berries, she can buy the town. Uh, but until then, she has to, you know, work for them and draw maps, but they'll buy her whatever she wants. But she really just wants to save the town. She doesn't really care about anything else, but she won't be sad until that's done, until the town is saved. She'll just smile through it all, like Bellamere said. Yeah. Uh, and that's an eight-year-old girl, like, saying all that, and it's really <laughs> intense. And then, uh, so back to the present time, the uh, Bad Navy captain is digging up the Tangerine Grove, looking for whatever that spot the X was marking. Uh, and Nami is not happy about this, because the tangerines are what Bellamere was growing. That was her thing. That was their mom's grove, basically. Yeah. And so she fights back, but can't stop them. They shoot Nojiko in the midst of all this. They find the money. <laughs> They take it, uh, and Nami realizes that Arlong must have told them about this spot so that they would come steal the, you know, 97% of what she had earned to buy back the village over 10 years. Uh, and so she runs to Arlong Park, and while she's on the way, uh, Luffy asks if he can help, and she tells him to get lost. <laughs> uh, and Doesn't then, he go and lay back down for a nap? Well, he, like, sees Nami. He's like, hey, Nami, do you need any help? And he sees that she's upset, and he looks kind of excited to be able to help. Yeah. Uh, and she's a, and she's like, get out of here. And he pretty much like goes and sits by a tree. Yep. Just goes to relax. Um, <laughs> and she runs to Arlong and she accuses him of, of doing it, of, you know, telling the, the Navy captain and everything. And he denies it. And he's really too powerful for her to do anything about it. Um, and so she runs back to town. And since Nanjiko was shot, the townspeople are like, this is crap. We can't do this anymore. We can't live like this. This isn't worth it. Yeah. Uh, and so they are gearing up with whatever farming implements they can grab. And Nami, you know, stands up from, she's like, no, it's okay. Like, don't worry about it. And she's trying to, you know, smile through it again. But Genzo walks up and she pulls out a knife to, to say like, no, I'll, I will hurt you guys to, to keep you safe yeah. basically um, without saying it. And she doesn't know, but Nojiko had already told the whole town what she was doing. And right. so, so she thought the whole town thought she was a traitor. Yes. But yeah. they've known that she was trying to fight on her own to buy the town for years. So Genzo just grabs the blade of the knife and pushes her aside and says like, we can't let you fight for us anymore. We need to fight for ourselves some. And so she just kind of collapses onto the ground in tears and she takes the knife and starts stabbing at the tattoo on her shoulder that represents Arlong. Uh, and Luffy walks up and just grabs her hand to stop her. And she looks at him and says, Luffy, you don't know anything. And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's kind of my choice. <laughs> like I, I choose not to know. <laughs> yeah. And she says, I told you to leave. He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and she starts throwing dirt on him as he stands behind her. And then tears in her eyes. She just turns to him and says, help. That's and so he, good. It's, it's amazing. It gets yeah. me every time. Uh, he takes the hat off his head, which the hat is his one treasure. Like, he will freak out like a little kid uh, if someone touches his hat. Yeah. He takes his hat and puts it on her head, steps into the middle of the street, and says, okay. <laughs> the rest of the crew walks up with him. So uh, Sanji, Zoro, and Usopp line up behind him, and they start walking towards Arlong Park. We get the hero shot. <laughs> yes. Of, uh, of the crew. Like, they, they were just waiting to be asked. Or at least Sanji yeah. was. Or uh, yeah. Luffy was. He was just like, yeah. just wait until she asks for help and acknowledges that she needs us. Okay, now we're, now we're going. Uh, he walks straight to Arlong Park, kicks open the gate, and says, 
which ones are long? <laughs> like, everyone else has like been fearing Arlong, and and like, and he hasn't even seen Arlong. Yeah, he's he's just been completely on the sidelines for everything. Yeah, but he's he's ready to go. So he walks in through the broken gate. Um, the townspeople are being kept back by Johnny and Yosaku, who are just barely tough enough to keep the town from doing anything. Uh, well, but they can't handle the pirates, and they're doing this to protect the townspeople. They're like. No, let's see if these guys can handle like, it. Like, these guys are strong. And, but we've the just pirates will kill us all. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, me, the pirates will kill us. But, so we're but Luffy and the much. crew can maybe do something. So Luffy walks in through the broken gate uh, and is walking straight towards Arlong. And two of his fishmen pirates step up to get in his way. And Luffy just smacks their heads together <laughs> and keeps walking. And ha- there's a little bit of conversation where Arlong's who are you? He says, I'm Luffy. What's a Luffy? I'm a pirate. <laughs> and Arlong keeps talking, and Luffy just, from 20 feet away, throws his rubber arm out and punches him <laughs> right in the face and tells Arlong, you made our navigator cry. <laughs> and and it's, it's his game face. That's Luffy's game face. And he is ready for a fight. And so the fight begins, <laughs> which is about half of the entire storyline. Yeah, is this fight. It's gonna go they, faster now. That you we're can probably the, sum yeah, this. They, you can probably sum this up pretty quickly. Yeah. So they they built up just for this fight, uh, and and so like the pirates call Momu in as their monster to fight, and Momu gets scared when he sees Luffy. Uh, Luffy stomps both of his feet into the cement floor, grabs Momu, and spins around to take out most of the pirate, most of Arlong's fishman pirates. Unfortunately, Luffy's legs are now stuck in the cement, and he can't move. Um. Arlong grabs that chunk of cement and throws Luffy into the water, and Luffy can't swim. This is bad. Yeah. Uh, Usopp runs away <laughs> and is chased by... So there's there's Arlong and three of his men still standing, and Luffy and he's, his three guys still standing. So Usopp runs away, and one of the fishmen pirates follows him. Zoro is going to fight Hachi, That's who is the octopus. octopus. Yeah. So Zoro borrows swords from Johnny and Yosaku so that he can have three swords, and they have an epic sword fight. At one point, Hachi wields six swords against <laughs> Zoro's three. Uh, against all odds, Zoro wins. Yep. Against all the challenges, Zoro wins. Uh, but he is exhausted, and he tries to go towards the water to try and get Luffy out. And Sanji says, no, you are so tired. Like, don't even try. Sanji jumps into the water, which is a bad move when he's being chased by a ray fish man. Yep. He is a manta ray fish man that chases him. Uh, and they have a battle in the water. Which Sanji is looking like he's going to lose pretty badly. He just wants to get to the bottom of the of the water and kick the rock that Luffy is trapped in to get Luffy out. That is his entire goal. Like yes. I just need one good kick on that rock because Sanji is really good at kicking. <laughs> um, and so kicking he's and swimming cooking. down, and he he sees that um, someone has pulled Luffy's head out of the water. And his neck is stretched. Yeah, thin. because he's rubber. Yeah. And someone is down there doing chest compressions on Luffy <laughs> underwater to get the water out of his lungs. And so Genzo is down there pushing on Luffy's chest while Nojiko holds Luffy's head above the water yeah. so that he can breathe. Uh, and Sanji fights the fishman and is losing quite badly. He's getting thrashed by the fishman karate <laughs> of the Ray fishman. And uh, until he... He thinks that, wait, a fishman must be using gills when he's underwater. And so he breathes out into the gills of the fishman to force him to choke. And he jumps out of the water where he's on a better playing field 
to fight him, and he kicks him till he wins, basically. That's, yep. I, that's the short version. I think that's a good description of it. Um, and then Asanji, oh, sorry, then Usopp, who has run away, fights that fish man and wins by hiding, lying, and tricking him. Yes. And then hitting him with a hammer. <laughs> as soon as he has the advantage, he just smacks him with a hammer a few dozen times. Um, so Zoro and Sanji are now faced with Arlong, who, off panel, uh, he has kind of thrashed them by throwing water at them. <laughs> Which is just what someone in the crowd says. Like, he just threw water at him. What's going on? <laughs> uh, but he can throw water so hard that it is a viable attack, I guess. Yeah. But they kind of rally, and Zora says, I'm going to give you just enough time to go down and kick the rock that Luffy's trapped in. Like, that's all I can do. And so Zoro does his best and kind of holds him off for a few seconds so that Sanji can get that done. And Luffy's free, and he's back in the fight. And now it's going to get good. Yes. It's a, it's a drawn-out fight where there's, there's teeth. Arlon can grow his teeth back. He, he launches himself and uses his nose as a weapon. And Luffy decides that the nose is a problem. They get inside the building and Arlon grabs a sword and he's, he's ready to, you know, really finish Luffy off. But Luffy in the room they're in, he sees that there's a pen with blood on it and he sees all these charts stacked up and he realizes that this is Nami's room. And Arlong talks about how he's going to use Nami to make charts of the entire ocean so that they can take over the world. Uh, and Luffy grabs Arlong's sword. What what they, the, he just, Luffy emphasizes the word use he's like use what like what, what do you think nami is yeah what do you think nami is that you can just use her and that's yes. what offends him more than anything yes. else is the the fact that arlong is just saying i'm going to use her yes and so he grabs arlong's sword and between his fingers breaks it <laughs> and then begins to kick things out of that room he, he kicks a you know a drawing desk out of the room and everyone on the on the ground floor is like what's going on like that must be some fight that the furniture's flying out but luffy is literally just trying to destroy this room. He's not even fighting Arlong at this moment. And Nami sees the desk, you know, falling and, you know, is crying because Luffy is tearing apart the thing that caused her so much pain. Yeah, like, is, he's destroying know. her prison. Yes, her prison, the the room where she was, you know, forced to draw the maps and be trapped and confined. Uh, and that's her blood on the pen, you know, from having to write so much and, and you know, being beat in that room. Arlong hates that this room's being destroyed because it's where all the charts are kept. And, and so he's big into his charts. Yeah. And so the fight continues and Luffy decides that it can't be over until this entire place is destroyed. And so he sticks his leg way up in the air and brings it down on Arlong and destroys the entire building <laughs> and then stands up through the rubble and tells Nami that he's par- that she's part of his crew now. And she agrees to it, and everyone cheers, and they have uh, two whole chapters of partying. <laughs> yep. And, and, and then they get everything together. They're going to leave. Nami doesn't really want to say goodbye to the town, so she just starts at the back of running. one street and runs <laughs> straight through them all and jumps onto the boat. Which, uh, is, which she already said, like, this is She said, like, like, get going. Like, yeah. I don't want to have to, like, see everyone and say goodbye. She, just, she runs through them all, uh, jumps onto the boat, and then empties her pockets, and she's stolen everyone wa- everyone's wallets. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then they sail away. Yep. Well done, Andrew. That would be a very hard one to summarize, uh, but I think you did a great job. All right. I want to talk a little bit about the character of Nami. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we get all of her backstory. And I, one thing that struck me about this is this is just such an absurd world that is being built. And like you laugh as you have all these crazy things about the emo sous chef and the, the pirate captain that's made out of rubber. And, and the sea cow. And, and, uh, Momo and the, the sea, sea cow. cow. Yeah, and it's just ridiculous, and like some of them just laugh out loud funny, and deliberately so. But at the same time, you can get such pathos from this backstory that we get, and you completely stop caring about all the silliness of this world, right. and you do feel genuine emotions from uh, you know this, this character on the page uh, as, as you're finding out the backstory. There's just like tragedy upon tragedy upon tragedy is like layered in these, like the, that some of her last words to her, this woman who adopted her is, you know, saying that she hated that she was in a poor family. Um, and then money is going to cause, you know, her mom to be, uh, to be killed. But at the same time, like the mom trying to make things up and saying, I'm going to cook the nicest meal I can is what actually lets the pirates know that they're living there. Cause they see the smoke from the cooking fire. Yes. And so like, there's all this guilt and tragedy that gets built up in, in Tanami. But then she turns that into like this laser sharp focus of trying to do the right thing now. Uh, and, and even though she knows it's going to ruin her reputation, everyone's going to think she's a pirate. She's going to do this thing for the benefit of everyone else and really not for her own benefit, you know, at all. Like she's going to do the ultimate selfless act, which isn't just that she's going to help the pirates for these eight years, but she's going to let everyone think that she's a villain in this piece when really she's doing it all to be good. Yeah, it's um, that flashback really. I think it elevates this story to <laughs> uh, something like f- far, far, I don't know, deeper. And it's just, it's really powerful, powerful storytelling. And even the art, like, I'm not, I don't know. This isn't, the the style that this is drawn in isn't my, like, favorite. But even the art in, in those, during those scenes... It's beautiful, and like the tears, man. <laughs> when Nami <laughs> cries, and you see those great big, huge crocodile tears running down her cheeks, it's really powerful. Like those are real, legitimate emotions, and it's amazing that he's able to balance the the absurdity on the one side with this, like you said, like this really deep pathos. Um, he's it's awesome. He- he really enjoys putting in these tragic flashbacks. Whenever he does a flashback, it, it um, the page outside the panels is all black. Yeah, so uh-huh. it, it's a subtle um, like alert to the reader that this isn't the main story right now. Yeah, uh, in American comics, a lot of times you'll see like blurry edges on the panels to <laughs> say like this. There's something different in this panel, but this one it had black border all around. Yeah, and um, but you know, almost every character gets these flashbacks where you see, you know, kind of this tragic story that helps define who they are. And, and it's important to him to establish this. And, you know, in this case, it wasn't the first thing you learned about this character. You know, she's been part of the story since like the third volume, but now you finally get her backstory. And so she's been a bit of a mystery. And and then you get this, which is a far more tragic backstory than anyone else had. So in one of my classes, I'm having my students write um, opinion essays and I, and they can they can choose any topic they want but it has to be you know some kind of a debatable thing and then they have to pick a side and and write the their opinion essay and one of the students asked me today he said can i write about something silly and i said you can write about whatever you want and you can write about something silly but you have to take it seriously and i feel like that's what's going on with this story like he's he's happy to take this into like crazy absurd silliness but he takes all of that, like, 
<laughs> seriously in the in the fact that these characters are real people and they have these uh, complicated backstories and emotionally they're really rich. I thought this was so delightful. I loved reading it. I think like the character manifestation of what you've just described is Luffy. Like he uh, is silly and it doesn't seem like he's taking anything seriously, but he's taking everything super seriously and with full intensity. There's a, a quote later on in the series and, um, and uh, John uh, Joseph and my brother reminded me or, you know, suggested that I bring this up that later in the series. Someone says, you know, maybe don't go all out. And he said, don't go all out. I don't know any other way to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> like Luffy only goes all out. Yeah. He, he either, ha- he only has like two speeds, which are taking a nap or just being like completely ballistic. Um, one other thing, like you said, the, uh, like that backstory elevated the story. And for me, like that was my opinion about everything I was reading changed. Like I was having fun and enjoying like the wackiness of everything, but then it affected you. Right. But then the other thing that I thought was really impressive in the, in the storyline is the pacing that's building to this final fight. Like, like I said, you get the comedy of like everyone wanting to fight each other, but keep, keep missing. Cause they're chasing them to the wrong spot as the other one's mm-hmm. like returning and, and they never meet, but that pacing and, and no, no fight is shown before that. Like Zoro right. fighting all the fishmen isn't shown. It's not shown. And, and the pacing of the storytelling makes it so that when you get the hero shot of the crew going to fight for their cartographer, <laughs> you know, for their navigator, <laughs> um, like it's the perfect moment. And like, now you're really excited for the fight. Um, and, and like you, you, it's the perfect build up, and it's right at the end of a volume. So if you're, you know, reading them sequentially, you have that break where you're like, yeah. I gotta read the next one. It reminded me of uh, I'm, I've mentioned this before, I'm sure, but the the pacing in uh, the movie Firefly, uh, Joss Whedon's Firefly, the, the Serenity movie, or Serenity, right? The Firefly oh, is the TV yeah. series, Serenity's the movie. But um, you keep hearing about the one character named River, and, and like, there's all these hints that she's going to be a really good fighter, but it never shows until like the perfect moment in the film, and then like the entire audience is ready for to see this because it's been hinted at just the right amount. Um, and the pacing for this fight, like everything, the violence and everything was like you said, off panel until this one moment when we now needed to feel <laughs> like this is what, this is the fight that we need to have right now. I had a, a, a tiny bit different experience because I just started reading at the beginning of what was it? Eight volume eight volume eight. And, and so you saw some of the previous fight. So, and the previous, yeah, the previous story, uh, ends with a big epic fight between Luffy. Most of and... the stories end with a big epic fight <laughs> between Luffy and uh, some big bad pirate. And so, because I had already seen that, I was like, "Come on, come on, come on!" Like you know, I knew it was going to come. And you know, I mean, obviously, obviously, this thing has gone on for a very long time. I don't think Luffy's going to die in this. <laughs> uh, so I, I think maybe some of it, I, I lost some of that, but, um, but the, that just the Nami asking for help when she, because she's so, she's so powerful. Um, like, like she has nearly done what she set out to do. On yeah. She's yeah, almost she's got like, her hundred million her berries and yeah. And, and absolutely all on her own. And she's smart and she's also like tough, you know, she beats up on people and she slaps people around and, um, she like, seems she's probably like the most violent character up until the fight. She seems like yeah. a, like the total package, but, but when she turns to Luffy and, you know, with those great big crocodile tears and says, help, there's something 
uh, really beautiful in that. And then to see the hero shot of of the the team, kind of they're going to go take him on together, is is really cool. Yeah, and I was thinking about this that like during the final fight, and I'm sure this is just in this one storyline. Like Nami's not present at all, and I I kind of was waiting for her to come back, but as I was thinking about it. We've been shown, like, her competence. <laughs> We've been shown that she is not, you know, a damsel in distress in any way. And yes. for her character progression, I think she needed to ask for help. Because she's been doing this by herself for a decade at this point. And as Andrew said, like, is is just on the cusp of success. Um, she's She's been completely independent. She's cut herself off from her town and her sister. She's allowed everyone to think she's a bad guy. Um, and she's been trying to do everything alone and actually like allowing someone to help her, I think is what her character needed to evolve from where she's at right now. I am so glad that you brought this up because there is that, that moment where the, like the literature professor inside of me is like, wait, what? She has to ask a man for help. Like, this is crazy. You know? Um, but it reminds me a lot of the the episode of um, Star Trek: The Next Generation when Picard has to ask, is, he, is it Q? He has to ask for help. Yes, and he's yeah, like, like "I need your help," <laughs> and it's like, "Whoa, Picard needs somebody's help. That's amazing!" Like, and it, it's such a critical moment for him and his progression as a character. And I absolutely agree with you that. This is for her. This is exactly what she needs: is to ask somebody for help, um, and to start and, reforming a family. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, can we talk about her? Her mother. Her. Yes. Uh, Belmere. Yes. Um, she is so great. I love her all so we ever much. See of her? Practically, like you'll like her name will come up. Um, like very rarely, like once yeah. every five years of writing it, you know, they'll, they'll actually mention, uh, you know, her and Nami will say something about Bellamere. Um, but like they, they take tangerine trees onto the ship so that they don't uh-huh. get scurvy <laughs> and, and things like that. But like, she gets like name referenced a few times and maybe an image of her, but that's her story. Okay. Cause it, I can it's tell you right now, story. this is a story that's going to stick with me. Like I, I look oh, yeah. at, when I look at my shelves, the shelves, there are times where I'm like, I read that book, but I'm really struggling to like, remember any details. But Bellamere is a character that's in like one chapter of these four volumes I looked at for this episode. Yeah. It, and I'm going to remember It's Bellamere. definitely not more than five chapters. Yeah. Uh, I, but you remember, you know, like the story about her joining the Navy and finding the kids and then her as a mother. Yeah. Like she's, she's briefly shown, but I think she's a fully fleshed out character in those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, there. I mean, he even does like really small things, like her hair style mm-hmm. is yeah. so unique, right? Where she's got the sides of her head shaved, and she's got this kind of mohawk thing going down the middle, and then it's tied in the back like in a ponytail. It's just so like I've never seen a character that looks like that, and it's such a cool way to kind of set her apart. And, and I think it's one of the reasons why she sticks with us besides having this, this incredible story that she never told the girls. Like Nami thought that she had been – what was it? That her parents had died in a something – something and totally Bellamere boring. Just, like what like, was – Like she just got picked up. Yeah. Oh, like under a, a bridge. She says, I was told yeah. that I was – that she found us under a bridge. And then uh, is it Gen- Genzo? Yeah. Yeah. He says, uh, no, let me tell you the real story. And this is, 
another reason why I love this is these nested stories. It's like we're seeing this flashback from two points of view, right? One is a dream mm-hmm. and one is uh, the other sister telling the story. And we've got stories inside of stories inside of stories. But he says, you know, your mom was – she was dying on a battlefield um, and ready to give up hope. And then your sister showed up with you in her arms and she asked, is this your sister? And she said no. And there's like so much – there's so much not said there, right? Like how does – what's the other sister's name? I'm sorry. Nojiko? Yes. How does she find the little baby Nami? And, and she's like three. Like she's barely big enough to carry – three years old. She's barely big enough carry to carry her. Yes. And yet she and does. And she finds someone who's alive. <laughs> it says so much. It says so much about her character. And then this woman who's on the brink of death. Uh, like nobody else on this battlefield is moving. <laughs> <laughs> and she somehow gets has the strength to do this. And then there's the one panel where it's this terrible storm and her ship comes in and she's got these two little girls under her arms and they ha- they have a fever and they're, you know, they're on the brink of death and they see her and they say, uh, we need to help you. And she says, no, you save these, these girls. And like the, the fierceness and the love that she has for them is so cool <laughs> And it's such a great like foreshadowing of what happens later. It's just man, the emotional, like the emotional punch in that is worth is worth so much more, in my opinion, than the uh, the next sixty pages of fight, fight, Crazy fight, action. boom, doom, <laughs> kabam, pow, whack, thumb, gum, gum, whatever, French, and like it just goes French on. Cooking terms, the it's French cooking terms, the French cooking terms, the dragon terms twister. And, it's so like that part of this story I could totally do without. <laughs> like they could, you could they just could read cut that the fight story. Oh yeah, they could cut the they could cut the fight down fight scenes down by ninety percent, and I would be happy as a clam. Uh, but man, that the the back scene that uh, flashback is just priceless. It's one of the greatest and- like pieces of of writing that I've come across in, in a while. It was so and it, good. It's, it is short. It is, you know, not a hundred pages probably uh, to get all of that in. To, yeah. You know, I went oh, back yeah, today and read it again for the second time. So we were, I was in a, in another town this evening and we had to drive back and I still hadn't finished. Uh, so I had somebody else drive and I sat, um, sat there and read and finished the last volume. So that was like 200 pages. And then I still had a little bit of time left, and I thought, oh, I got to go back and read that again. So I went back and read the flashback again. It was so good. And better the second time. One cool narrative trick that happens is – It's about 65 pages is all. uh, What's the guy who's cut up Genzo? Genzo. Yeah. Like we have already kind of come to trust Genzo, and he so clearly has such respect for Bellamere that like him (laughs) – and especially with everything we eventually learn about him, like it, the layers we learn about him are pretty cool too, about where he got his scars, why he had the pinwheel in his hat yeah. and all these things. Uh, but like him speaking with such almost reverence for Bellamere says, Oh, she must've been an amazing woman. <laughs> you know, like, like it adds to her credibility right away. It's so great to see these, those three women are, they're just so central to the story. Um, the two sisters and the mom. And it's just, a, it's just, man, awesome (laughs) maybe i'm just really tired tonight but it's it's just (laughs) such a great story one last thing that i wanted to make sure we we touched on uh, i'm guessing we're getting a little long but um the the role of laughter in this 
is really interesting to me because you get several explicit quotes about laughter and you get Uh laughter in unexpected places. But also, uh, there's the choice made that for the onomatopoeic sounds of laughter, each character kind of has their own unique version of it. So I don't, maybe like, I guess the, the evil Navy captains, his was kind of a rat like laugh, like Mm -hmm. just the way it was like you, you hear like a mouse sound when you read it. But, but even beyond like doing some revelations about characters that way, I think it just heightens your awareness of laughter that you're not just getting a generic ha 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 every time. Mm -hmm. Like it makes you notice the laughter more. Well, and then like, like our lungs will often be kind of shaped a little differently. They'll, they'll do some texture to the, to the the font. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Um, but so that makes laughter like kind of uh, more in your face or, or more primarily important. Mm-hmm. But then, certainly more than you ever see in American comics. Yes, but I can't remember really ever seeing laughter right, in, so, in word bubbles in American comics. Uh, well, no, I mean, you, you like, like from time to time. But this is like you know, you hardly go a few pages without seeing someone yeah. laugh. And I'm just, as you say that, I'm just thinking of every panel with the Joker ever, where there is. Well. <laughs> um, but okay, uh, what do you think he is trying to say about laughter? Um, either through like the explicit use of some of the quotes about laughter, or the way that laughter appears in the the story. The the mom Belmere, she says at one point, there's something that she says about laughter, right? Yes, yes, she's got the the quote. And what is that quote? Here is the the quotes they put. Across Bellamere's death. Uh, she says, Noji Konami, don't ever lose to anyone. Girls have to be strong too. And whatever happens, don't curse the age you were born into. And whatever happens, never lose your ability to laugh. Don't worry about what anyone says. If you can survive, then happy times, lots of them, will come your way. And, and then we like, get at the very across, like, end. Panels, panels of a smoking gun. <laughs> right. And then, it, yeah. And then at the very end of this, after the big battle is over... Then she actually laughs. Is that? Yes. Do we see yeah. Nami and, laugh and at, at the, the very party? end of this? Okay. Yeah. There's a couple of things uh, like as in the denouement where, where we see laughter. So the big party that uh, Andrew kind of said quickly, like there's a big party celebration, but like the background of all of those is just ha ha and like different kinds of laughter in the background. And, you, it, just and like the crowd just looks happy. happy. And then yeah. um, near the end, we see uh, Genso pouring out some wine over Bellamere's um, cross uh, uh, grave. grave marker um but he's laughing as he does it and he's huh. he's um he's he's saying your daughters have grown into wonderful strong women uh and then the very last part of this that i read like obviously the series keeps going but the last thing you see is um a flashback explaining Genso why he wore a pinwheel in his mm-hmm. hat <laughs> and you find <laughs> out that um when uh when Nami and her sister, what's her Nojiko, name? Nojiko, uh, were kids. Uh, when Nami was just a baby, she would cry every time she saw Genso. And Genso said, "Well, fine, I'm going to do something to that'll make her laugh." Oh, and he puts yes. the pinwheel. I in had his totally hat. forgotten about this. And uh, the and uh, the mom, Bellamere, she says, "Mr. Genso, a, pin, a pinwheel is not going to." And then it cuts to a shot of the baby laughing, like just uproariously mm-hmm. laughing. And the last words of this chapter are, "Hey, she's laughing." And that's that's the way this storyline ends and then moves on to the next one. But there's other moments in there, like uh, when Zoro is fighting... Uh, uh, Hachi. Not Hachi. The, or Arlong. When he fights Arlong, and he's he's about to lose, and he just looks at him and starts laughing. Um, so, like, <laughs> laughter kind of comes up in these unexpected moments throughout. And I think it's that quote that the mom gives, but I, I think there's also just a larger message just in general of... Of like, as long as you can laugh, <laughs> things are going to be okay. Uh, you know, you, it, it will work out. 
Um, so surviving and enduring, but also finding, finding some joy at, you know, along the way. I think, and we've, we've kind of alluded to this in this conversation for sure. We've talked about it in other conversations, but I feel like we haven't touched on this for a while. Um, is this idea of like the, the importance of having like a rich emotional life, right? And that allows for uh, sadness and joy to to work kind of together, and um, and we've we've talked about how just how deep the sadness is, and like layers upon layers upon layers of tragedy, and they are balanced out on the one hand by the absurdity of you know Momu the giant sea cow, uh, but on the other hand by moments of real like joy and laughter um and i think it's it's part of what keeps the story balanced uh so that it doesn't feel too heavy but also not um too silly yeah and i think that final flashback of genso putting the pinwheel in um because after the story when um when he when he tells Bellamere's grave that like your daughters have grown into beautiful women, that's when he takes the pinwheel out of his hat and leaves and it by he, her grave for the first yeah. time. Yeah, which it's been there for like fifteen years. Yeah, he's been wearing this pinwheel <laughs> for <laughs> yeah for for over a decade at this point. And um, every time you see him, it says click 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 click. <laughs> yeah, but, and and at one point, Luffy sees him. He's like, "Why has that guy got a pinwheel in his hat?" That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like Luffy likes. But like that that whole story. It's just a wonderful mix of the absurd and the deep meaning and the emotion and both the sadness and the joy, like simultaneously yeah. in, in that one little backstory really about great. on Genso's hat. Well, I and, mean, um, if if this were the only story that he wrote, if there weren't 87 other volumes, if all he did was write this story, I would say it's triumph. <laughs> and the <laughs> fact that he goes on for another, you know, like – like thousands and thousands and thousands of pages is just astonishing to me. And he does more stories like this. You know, you have other characters that you get their backstories and, and their histories for volumes to, you know, build them up just like this. And in some cases, you know, more than this, um, to, to build these grand stories. Um, and in some cases they're probably not as deep as this one. Mm -hmm. I think this is one of the very best. Um, but like he didn't lose his touch, you know, <laughs> wow. after this. And, um, so another note that at the end to cover the, the scar and tattoo where she had Arlong's mark, she gets it replaced she, with it's a, pinwheel a, a and tattoo, a, uh, a tangerine and a pinwheel. Yeah. So Bellamere and Genzo, yeah. um, which is, you know, the, the laughter and the sadness all encapsulated, you know, yes. on, that, on that one tattoo that she has on her shoulder real quick just to wrap up I, I want i want your take on luffy like taking a nap and going for a walk and like he doesn't get this backstory and he doesn't care and it doesn't well he was already loyal to her like he didn't like he was there to get their navigator back mm -hmm. he didn't care that she stole in their ship <laughs> like... but also like like he is both like naive and also very sage like very sage and and very perceptive you know when he sees the blood on the pen in the room yeah. he's just like oh this is where you kept nami 
Well, and also prison. like the, even the latching onto the use of the one word verb use, you. like that is yeah. what sets him off more and l- lets him finally finish the fight. Mm-hmm. Is like you were using Nami, you were not treating her like a person. Yeah, <laughs> and like, but I'm I'm like intrigued by his resistance to even hear from her that she doesn't want to be part of the crew. At what point would he turn away from her, at, even at her own request, or would he? And is like what kind of philosophy is that? It. it um... It's admirable when, when in the end he's right, <laughs> you know. <laughs> if he's right. wrong, <laughs> if yeah, if he's wrong, then he just looks like a like a desperate boyfriend or something. <laughs> yeah. Like no, I know that you really want, uh, that you really want me to be here, and she's like, no, actually, I really want you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I really, really, no, no, really. But he doesn't even, but he's not like saying, no, no, really. He's just like, I'm just going to be over here. <laughs> like, I'm, like not, I'm not going to be getting into your you, world. You've told me to leave. I'm not going to. He's like, hey, do you need help? No? Okay. But, but I'm not, he, he's not like pressing. Uh, I'm still here. I, but, but when she's stabbing into her own shoulder, he'll come grab the knife. <laughs> yeah, I, but then stand there as she throws dirt on him still. Yeah. I don't I, Yeah, I think he's a really cool character and we could have easily spent this time you know, talking about him or chosen a different, mm-hmm. uh, story arc that, that highlights yeah. maybe a little bit more of him. He's a, so he's a really the- cool, interesting, um, like multifaceted character that at sometimes is super silly. And at other times, you know, that, that scene with, um, our, our, our gone, our long, our long <laughs> up in the, in the, in that top room with the, with all the charts, and the desk and the pen, that's it's really powerful. Um, and the the love that he has for Nami and um, and not even like romantic love. It's just he just like she's his friend. That's and, my friend. Yeah. And you made yeah. our you made our navigator cry, and now I'm gonna. <laughs> so it's that I love that line. You made our navigator cry, and now like I'm gonna go take care of business. Um, in the, in the first storyline, which would be, you know, the first example of his character, which I think he's true to in this and, and throughout all the series, uh, his first friend on the sea is a guy that wants to join the Navy, but Luffy's a pirate. So he can't be friends with someone that wants to join the Navy, but he's like, I don't care. Like we're going to be friends. But at the end of that, the Navy is talking to this kid and they're like, well, are you friends with that pirate? And so Luffy goes up and punches that guy and, you know, beats the snot out of him so the navy can like all the navy guys can say it's like well we totally know that they were friends but like if his friend's good enough to like come punch him and walk away be like i'm not his friend look at me beat him up so that yeah. he can have his dream like okay we have to like acknowledge like the facts of the matter are that a pirate beat him up they must not be friends <laughs> but the reality of it is like we uh we know you're doing this just so he can join the navy and that's really cool and they're like we can't salute you so we're just going to turn around and let you sail away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so, like, he's, he's the kind of guy It's like, well, my friend really wants to join the Navy, but that means he can't be friends with a pirate. I guess I need to punch him to, like, <laughs> prove that we're not friends, even though, like, we're super friends. Like, we're definitely friends. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So, right. like, my understanding is that, like, this whole story is him searching to become the Pirate King. But at the same time, that's a, that sounds like a very selfish quest. Mm-hmm. But... What we see of him is generally not selfish <laughs> at all. It's loyal. Yeah. It's um, it's it's caring. It's like we said. Like he could have. Well, and even 
like his style of leadership because he he's the pirate captain, quote unquote, right? Yeah. But his style of leadership seems to be like, I step in when I'm needed, but otherwise it's not my business what you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he could have been the guy that goes roaring in and tries to take out Arlong from the get go, but which he, was which was Zoro's. Yeah, but you know, he waits kind of until it's the right moment for him and also for. For Nami. for Nami, for Nami, yeah. If he for goes, in, if he steps in early, then then he ruins it for her. Um, he needs her. It's like all like he needs her permission to step onto her turf and and help her with that fight, uh, which, which is I think really is really cool. That that's the sage part you talked about. Even though he's otherwise like he's naive, like he's an idiot. <laughs> Yeah, but, but he has this. But he, he understands this, um, something. Something inherently, he understands that like is much more important than knowledge. He has this intuition. Um, yes, and and it's uh, somebody said something once. It's it was like um, the that was a really the good willingness citation, to take risks. <laughs> What's that? That was a really good citation. <laughs> yeah, somebody said something. It's like the ability to take the the ability to take risks and the intuition to take the right risks, and I think that he has that. Like he's just reckless enough that he's willing to do something stupid, but he's also smart and intuitive enough that he doesn't generally do stupid stuff. <laughs> it turns out that he makes he makes the right bet when he's gonna bet, and uh, and I think that that's an admirable quality. In in the long run. All right. Well, I think somebody said that it. Is point. <laughs> <laughs> that won't be in show notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I think we're going to wrap up this episode. Thank mm-hmm. you for joining us, and please subscribe to the protagonist podcast in iTunes, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. And once we get to a hundred, which is going to take a while, because we, when we made that pitch, we haven't seen any boost oh. in, in our review numbers. So uh, we will start releasing a spinoff podcast when we get to a hundred reviews. So please go ahead and go and do that. If you are a new listener, uh, just a note about our back catalog. We switched up from our, our, our format a bit uh, at episode 13. So the first dozen episodes or so are a little different. So if you want to go start sampling the back catalog, just be aware it's about episode 13 that we uh, shift more into the current um, format. If you liked this episode, you may enjoy checking out episode number 61, which is a previous episode we talked about, a manga called Magic Knights Ray Earth. And you might also enjoy going and checking out episode number 46 when we talk about a webcomic web called Gunner Craig Court, uh, which is kind of the same expansive, sprawling universe uh, that we see being built in, in One Piece. Uh, links to the things we've talked about in this episode are protagonistpodcast.com, and that's also where you can find a list of our previous shows. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. You can follow all of us on Twitter by going to at protagonistpod, at Todd K. Mack, at Jay Dorowski, and our producer Andrew is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. And you could also please visit our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast, where we have really good conversations happening uh, underneath our posts about each new episode. 
episode. If you would like to support the show financially, there are a few different ways you could do that. You could buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by clicking the support link on our homepage or going to patreon.com slash protagonist. All supporters on Patreon receive access to our special quick cast, uh, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films or talk about trailers for upcoming films. You can also go to protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon to make all of your Amazon purchases. Just a reminder, it looks exactly like regular Amazon and it costs you nothing more, but we get a little bit of money from Amazon for you following that link. And finally, don't forget to sign up for a 30-day free trial of audible.com by going to audibletrial.com slash protagonist. Thanks again for listening and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character and a great story. So long. So long. Oh man, I think I only fell asleep like three or four times during that conversation. (laughs) Did you hear my outro read? It was, it was a one take? That was one of my best hours. One take. <laughs> nice.